Hello and welcome to The Agenda on Monday the 13th of February 2023. I'm your host Christopher Gallagher. It's an overcast but sun. the sun is kind of wanting to break through. Hopefully we'll have a nice sunny afternoon in Cambus Lang just outside Glasgow. How are you guys? Let's go straight to the east end of Glasgow. Alan Edgar, how the hell are you sir? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, nice weekend. Good sporting weekend. So, all good. Uh, Kieran Devlin is in Edinburgh. Uh, you're in Leith, I think. Well, I got, I got in trouble for saying I was in Leith, actually, from somebody who told me off for because I'm technically about 100 yards away from the, the border of Leith, wow. which which mean, means I'm a prick. <laughs> um, so, like, a technically hillside, is if you want to get really, really boring and pedantic about it. But I, I like saying in Leith. It's more fun to say in Leith, because yeah. like, yeah, hillside's for wankers, really. There's yeah. a, a bit of a <laughs> bit of inter-Edinburgh banter for you there. Yeah, a bit of inter-Edinburgh banter with... Two people who know fuck all about Edinburgh. Uh, great stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm technically Kirk Hill, I think, which isn't actually Cambus. Or maybe it is. Oh, who gives a fuck? Uh, anyway, I uh, used to be the queen. I used to be Southside, you know. Used to be. <sighs> really. really used to be one of the people. I used to be, mm. yeah. Like, well, we are. Now, now he is one of the people. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I tell you what, you walk around this area and there are ranger stickers everywhere. I swear to God. I'd... It's called Kirk Hill, mate. The clue is in the name. The clue is in the name. Oh, my. Yep. Oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Claire, we need to move. We'll get you some stickers over. We need to move. Uh, now, great start to the agenda. Uh, it's a lovely day, as we say. Alan, you are obviously you're an American football fan. It was the Super Bowl yesterday. From what I could read off the kind of reports, it was quite an exciting game. Yeah, it was. Um... A barnstormer, it was. Um, that was a good game, two really good teams. Not the most uh, likeable teams uh, from well, from my perspective. Um, but it was a it was a genuinely quite a tight game, very very close as predicted. So it was good right up until the wire, and then it just kind of fizzled out. Actually, towards the end, um, there was no late drama or anything like that. So no, it was all good. Uh, had a good night, some uh, plenty of beers, some some good food. So all good. And Kieran, as you're in Edinburgh, Scotland did well in the rugby, so you'll be you'll be loving that. You and all your pals loving that. It's a bit funny. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And then when just after our round of golf and before we went clay pigeon shooting. <laughs> oh, that's uh, uh, no, I, I didn't know what happened, but I, I did my uh, I did my part last weekend. So this weekend, I just ended up watching TV Saturday night. After I had a, I had a nice walk, we went a nice walk on the Saturday, and then. Made a, a roast dinner yesterday, played some board games. We got uh, surprisingly pissed and then ended up a Sunday pub quiz. Far too drunk to do any good at it. So we finished third, unfortunately. Oh, third, oh uh, God, we, we only finished third. Fuck up, Kieran. Really, okay, you're a smart bastard, we get it. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I need to hammer <laughs> hammer home the point. Uh, but it was it was a bit of a disaster because we got 10 out of 10 at the entertainment round. That's my thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. Good. Film, TV, celebrity bullshit, that's my... My jam. I was there with uh, Caroline and our friend, who both for like science people, uh-huh. science and nature around three out of ten. What's the point? That, that, I, I'm pulling know, my weight. I, I, I joking aside, genuinely, I would be raging. I would see, <laughs> see whenever we do like uh, when we watch the chase quite a bit, and it's like a science question, and it's like the periodic table, and I just like I just I no idea. I'm not even going to guess. Don't know. I like, have, have you ever seen the? The footage of Roy Keane, I think it's about 2000, when 
he walks off because he he thinks that the quiz master has given the coaches and Alex Ferguson the easy questions and everybody else is getting the hard questions. That is exactly how I imagine Kieran at this quiz last night when you know Caroline and her friend having a lovely time, but uh, stormed off because it's you know it's outrageous. But the the general well because they they were f- far drunker than I was. They ended up like just making friends with the, this Welsh couple who were up for the for the rugby and then in their sixties and they were just chatting to them in the entire time and I was like craning over and like re-yelling the the questions in the air <laughs> oh the, i tell you what though there is nothing there is nothing worse than being at a pub quiz and like parts of your team talking and missing the questions and then being like what was that question and you're like well if you'd listened you would if you get the fat out of your ears and you listen maybe anyway uh pub I, quizzes are they're, they're great fun aren't they <laughs> That's, like, what it's, that's what it's about. I think, Gal, you and I should just do a pub quiz team where we just specialise in being moany and bitching about other t- other teams <laughs> for having fun. It's like, no, this is a serious enterprise we have here. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10, you. Uh, shout out to Ian Dugan, who organised, for the last two two months, has organised a Super Bowl evening uh, and uh, every single person cancelled on him. <laughs> um, so, God, God bless Ian. Um, as he said in the chat today, he, he'll be nice and fresh for his day off. So great stuff. Um, oh, I, I, I can tell him that, that um, if you don't have any plans for it and you actually take it easy, then you will feel much better the next day. Um, I can I can attest to that, Ian. So uh, enjoy your day, mate. <laughs> enjoy your day, mate. Uh, great stuff. Uh, plenty of Celtic chatter uh, to, to kind of talk through. We've got uh, some, as always, we've got some great questions from, from uh, our listeners. And uh, yeah. Great game as well to kind of talk over, but let's let's start with the opening question, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, it's a question from Stephen, and Stephen asks, "What signing has been pound for pound the best since Ange Postecoglou took over?" So let me just to give you a quick reminder of everyone who's signed since Ange Postecoglou took over: Leah Labada, Kyogo Furuhashi, Carol Starfelt, Joe Hart. James McCarthy, Joseph Juranovic, Georges Giacomakis, Jota, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Rio Hitati, Dyson Maeda, uh, Yusuke Idiguchi, Matt O'Reilly, uh, who else we got? Uh, Benjamin Segrist, Alexandro Bernabai, uh, we obviously had uh, Aaron Moy, uh, Seed Haksabanovic, um, Kobayashi, Johnson, Iwata, and O. We also had, obviously, Morris Jens uh, was brought in on loan, but he's, he's not here anymore, so there's no point. He's same with uh, Oliver Abelgard and Liam Scales. Again, he's he's not had much chance, really, overall. Lots of quality there. Not a lot of failures, really. Um, uh, we'll start with... Uh, we'll start with... Let's go with Kieran. Kieran, who do you think, pound for pound, has been Ange's best signing? I mean, it's got to be Hatate, doesn't it? Uh, I do think that's maybe the objective answer, given it was like one and a half million quid. And I'd say, well, we'll come on to Saturday's game in a bit, where we'll be talking about him quite a lot some more. Um, but, I, you know, I think he's probably the runaway candidate for player of the year, in my opinion. Um and for what is importance to the team, the quality of the team, and also just as an entertainer, as somebody I just love watching play football, he just fills all the categories and I love it. And for a million and a half, it's an absolute bargain. It's funny though, see when you say entertainer, I always think of like a guy in 
like a, a community club or something with like a hat on. Magician. Like a magician. <laughs> He's an entertainer. Yeah, Alan with the hands and the fingers. Uh, I, obviously, as as the, the kind of, the question is pound for pound, uh, it's it's really hard to see past Rio Hitati who costs 1.4 million. Dyson Maida costs 1.6. Uh, so between them, they cost 3 million pounds, which is less than Burnaby. Uh, Alan, what would you say from your point of view? Would you agree? Maybe a... a, a someone else which thoughts? yeah i think probably hatati is the, the correct answer currently and probably going forward is highly likely to be the right answer but for the um for the sake of discussion i think i'll make an alternative case for carter vickers maybe on the basis that he was he, he has been here longer and our defensive record certainly domestically is incredible and i, I think a lot of that he um he certainly has to pick up quite a lot of the um, credit for that. Um, I probably do think Hitati, I mean, even when you mentioned there, the value aspect, I think that is quite incredible. And I think he will be a, a huge asset going forward as well. But I do think when you think back to where we started, the kind of real restructuring that we needed of the team. Um, and I think even thinking back to the fact, as I think we've talked about quite a few times, and Kieran's mentioned obviously how late we got Carter Vickers in, it was very, very late on, and it, it kind of largely seemed as if Celtic really weren't particularly asked whether we got him or not, to be honest. Um, I think to then get him and for him to be such a huge success to then make that permanent, yeah. I think he just he has been a he just has been a, a real success. So I think you could maybe make the alternative case for him um, because our defensive records certainly domestically is really, really good. And I think he is a, a big part of that. When he's been out of the team, I think you notice it. So I'll make the alternative case for um, for CCV, maybe. Uh, good case. Um, if we were to kind of flip it around and just, as I say, you know, Ange uh, has been known, well, to quote Fallout Boy, has been known more for his hits than his misses. Um, what would you say was the biggest kind of disappointment it doesn't necessarily ha- even have to be someone who has been overly overtly poor or not worked but in regards to from a disappointing point of view you know there's there's a couple of you could probably put out straight away maybe maybe Bernabas maybe not hit the the heights you maybe thought maybe the fact that Haxabanovich hasn't played as much um the Ediguchi uh, would also be an, another fair kind of example of that uh Kieran your thoughts yeah I think I think the summer, last summer's transfer business, I think, is the one really question mark. You know, we've we've talked about it before. We're really now now Moyes come onto a game, but generally, given how Hagsabanovich is really not playing much, you know, <laughs> there really weren't many success stories from from the summer. And I think the big one from the like, I, I had high hopes for for Idiguchi, but it's not panned out. But I think the big one for me was Abelgard. Um, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of mitigating circumstances about that, but it just and and very specifically that if you can't pass the ball forward with your first touch accurately, you're not going to be a Nange number six. I think that's like the very you know what the Abelgard signing underlined is that we are never going to play a normal defensive midfielder even in the Champions League against the best teams. Um, but it was just yeah, I was I had high hopes that you know maybe he was the uh the final piece of the puzzle that you play McGregor and Hitati for the forward or something and then he, this guy can do what we all wanted him to do and be that firm piece and then he played what 160 minutes or something and then he just went, he didn't look great whenever he played you know I get, Iwata 
could be something. He's he has to play some football at some point, but maybe Awata could be um that that person. But it absolutely wasn't Abogard. Uh, do you know what, Kieran? It absolutely was not. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, Alan, what about yourself? Yeah, I think I think there has been. I think when you read out the names initially, you'd said, you know, there's not a lot of misses, and then you read out the names, and I started to kind of tick off. But there's quite a few. But I think a success rate at a club like Celtic is going. It's not going to be anywhere near a hundred percent. And I think if you were to look at any manager and look at the recruitment, probably if you get a fifty percent hit rate, you're probably doing pretty well. Um, and I think I think the one thing I always like to point out with Ange is that. It's not necessarily based on value. I think when we've spent money under Ange, largely it has worked quite well. I think the ones that haven't worked is maybe ones where you know it has been a loan or it's been a kind of a bit of a you know a kind of project signing. So you know, I, I think his transfer business has been very very good. There is a clear tendency when he signs players that he has worked with before or he's familiar with because of the work in, that they've done in the J League. Largely, they have been successful. Um, and I think where where the players haven't maybe been successful, it's maybe been players that have kind of you know Abelgard kind of fall you know fell into a lap. Players from you know signing domestically, and then obviously Burnaby potentially as well. He's been very good when he, it's players that he's worked with and he's signed before. Um, or it, and I think that's maybe somewhere where we just need to be a little bit alert to. I think if you take away Maeda, Hatati, Kyogo. You take away those players, the transfer business actually looks much more like Celtic's transfer business generally. Yeah. Um, you know, it looks very much like the transfer business actually we would do under any other manager. You know, a mix of players that um, kind of fell in a lap, some very, very successful, and then other players that were kind of pushed the boat out on a little that, that really haven't worked out. So um, there's a clear tendency there, and I think um, he has to take quite a bit of responsibility for those players that that have been a huge success from day one. We, I can't believe we didn't even mention Kyogo, actually, even for potential value signing. Yeah, I, I mean... Day, very early signing, day one, hit the ground running right away. I, I like him, Alan. So, I... Mm. Uh, Kieran, what's, why did you hate Kyogo, uh, essentially? Uh, I don't know. His wee dances. Uh, twee, twee? I don't know. Uh, no, I love I love Kyogo. It was, a, it was a bit... Please don't hate me. Um... I just got a fun, fun game. Prediction this time next year. Do you think that uh, answer will, ch- well, you know, somebody, we might sign somebody class in the summer or something, but do you think uh, from the current squad, do you think there's, that answer might change? Because, like, because I'm now a Kobayashi mark after two games against not great teams, um, for basically getting on a free, given what he, he could offer, I think maybe he could enter the, that conversation. This time next year, if, if again, like Awata, he actually plays football at some point. Uh, it's a good question, Kieran. It really is. Um, is there anyone there that we have currently that could completely blow up? Uh, I think O has that potential. Again, we've not seen enough of him. I really like O's physicality. Um, there was a there was a part in the game, and we'll talk about this in the game where the ball is placed to him, and he kind of he just lays it off, and it's a really simple layoff, right? Ultimately, but it it was. Perfect in terms of you know the, the you know how he laid it off in terms of the pass for the player coming onto it that he basically did a one two with he took two players with him as he went there's again these are all wee snippets wee snippets but uh, I, I think O has potential to be a, a really really good player and because he's got that physicality I think he'll be suited to our style of football um, so 
Oh, I would say is a potential. Alan, anyone that could really go up levels to change perspectives, maybe? Yeah, I, I think Jota is the one that... Yes. Um, I think you... you <sighs> I, I think he's got a really high level, to be honest. I try and keep it simple. I think he could really be a real top talent, and I think he's he's, he's very good. Um, he's very good for us. I think his consistency is something that I think if he wants to play at Champions League level with another side, maybe you know one of those sides, maybe even competing in the later stages of the Champions League, then it would have to be more consistency, doing it more regularly, and impacting games more frequently. Um, but I think he's definitely got that ability and that talent. And I think I think the kind of exciting thing for us is that he's kind of dropped. I don't want to say dropped off a little because he's working hard, but he's maybe not shining in the way that he has done, you know, and maybe did do the start of the season. And I hope that between now and, uh, you know, now in late May, early June, that he could be a big player. So I, I think he's a player that can do a lot better than what we see from him. And I think he could do it much more frequently. So I think hopefully we're having that discussion about Jota, you know, next year saying, can you believe that we actually managed to buy that guy for, you know, seven odd million? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and start keep ringing the bell for Haksabanovic just because I think there's something really old school and romantic about him and how he plays. Whether that actually kind of pans out or not, you know, I don't know, but I'd like it certainly to pan out because. He's just a guy I get excited about watching football, and I guess that's the most important thing. Just kind of before we move on, just kind of looking at the, this list, you know, guys like Liam Shaw, Joey Dawson, uh, and Urigidi, uh, you know, uh, they weren't bought under Andrew's watch. I think two at least that two of them had been kind of uh, brought in before or agreed before. That's four and a half. That's four four hundred four and a half four hundred fifty thousand pounds for those three players. Then Liam Scales is half a million quid. It's like nine hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Johnny Kenny's 125 quid, 125 quid, 125,000. That's a million pounds on one, two, three, four, five players. It's like, that's Celtics, that's like old school Celtic sort of, we've got a million quid, we'll just fire it out uh, over a bunch of players who none of them are probably going to play. And that's just a bit annoying. Hopefully we can get away from that. You're like the accountant for the Bluth company here, just looking through the, the, the accounts. You've signed a player here called Ozazi Urugide. Can we see a video of him? <laughs> no, you cannot. You cannot. <laughs> yeah, it was a wild ride. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the fact that Urugide and... Yeah, oh, Jesus, let's not even... That, the money for scale stayed, you know, within the company. Anyway, so I wouldn't, really, <laughs> I wouldn't really count that too much, to be honest. I think we're okay there. Uh, okay, I like that one. Good, good to see. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, I just want to play this clip, and it's, uh, it's a short clip about Ange talking about the squad uh, from uh, Saturday. I've got to ask about the quality of depth. You know, the, the recruitment's been excellent. But you're looking at the bench, players coming on, they don't weaken the side at all. Must be an absolute headache for you to pick a, the first eleven. So how do you manage that? Because every player wants to start, surely. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one, Chris. Because I mean, I think if you ask any manager, that's that's the ideal for them. Um, and you know, the problems usually exist when you don't have options. You know, when when you when you've got you know a starting eleven. And so today we lose a pretty key player in Kyogo, but you know we can actually cover that. And and the best part of that, or well, not the best part of that, but the key thing for me is that the players have embraced that challenge. You know that. They understand that 
they'll get an opportunity at some point and it's up to them then to take it. And, you know, there's no one that, that's missing out on the team and looks at the, at the starting eleven and says, well, this guy's been playing poorly, why is he getting a game? They all know they have to perform at a high level. And like I said, the beauty of today, you saw Matt O'Reilly and, and, and particularly Rayo come on and, you know, they're not sulking because they're not starting. They're seeing, well, here's half an hour for me to do my stuff. And, uh, you know, we've got to maintain that to, to, from now to the end of the year. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward answer but it's it's good that it kind of highlights the fact that you know there are there won't be people on the bench thinking oh i could do better than him or you know that the team are playing well i'm sure they will think i could do better than him that's how all players think but the team is playing so well and it's putting so well that you know it is hard to kind of sit there and say i need to be breaking into the squad because x in front of me isn't performing well alan isn't it yeah, I, I think we talked about. I think we've talked about it the last few weeks across, you know, the agenda. I think even on the weekly, we've been starting to kind of come round to the idea that you know it's a game a week now for the next five weeks, and we're starting to think where game time is going to come for a the new signings and b guys that are maybe trying to push their way in. And um, I suppose I think most people are coming to maybe the realisation that that game time is going to be extremely limited. So I think that's where the questions point to that. And I think, to be honest, Angie's answer maybe just confirms a little bit of what we felt. If you if you find yourself on the sidelines and you maybe get 15 minutes, 10 minutes at the end of a game, your job probably within that time is to make the manager think and give him a hard decision to make. And if you don't, then what you'll probably find that that is the most you'll get and potentially even less. Um, and that that's difficult, it's frustrating, but that that's your job. And I think some players have done that quite well. You know, Saturday might even be a good example to kind of chat through that. I think, um, you know, I think there's a couple of things that will come off the back of that. But largely, unless you're really, really impressing the manager and someone that's, you know, got a starting jersey drops off, it's going to be extremely difficult for players to get game time. So I think his answer just reaffirms that. Um, you know, he's not... You know, I think some managers would find it would maybe be slightly more sympathetic. I think the tone of his answer probably is more trying to take the onus away from him and actually put it on to the players and say, "Yeah, it's their job." I just pick the ones that are performing both in training and when match days come round. It's their job to be one of those eleven, and I, I do quite like that. I think sometimes we do have a tendency to like the idea of you know making changes, but ultimately it's competition you're competing with whoever wants that jersey and that is the nature of it's the nature of high level competition. I think um I think he is fostering that attitude within the team and I, I do really like it. I like it a lot. I'm also <laughs> I'm also a hypocrite and I would love to see Awata, Kobayashi, O much more often, but also want to be in a ballot for a Scottish Cup final ticket in, <laughs> you know, June. So and I think the one thing he's he's done very, very well is is that we are just winning games. We are winning games, we're being quite ruthless. Um, as I say, we'll come on to Saturday, but we are just getting results whether we play well or not. And that's um, it's quite an exciting notion, to be honest. So I, I'm quite happy to, for him to foster that kind of spirit within the team. Yeah, I mean, Kieran, the fact is there's other, been other quotes attributed, attributed to Ange after Saturday and Sunday, basically saying, you know, I'm not going to sit, what do you want me to do? Keep everyone happy by making them cups of tea or something? And it's just quite a funny, quick-witted answer. But, you know, ultimately he's right. Like, you want to get in this team? you got to work hard. you got to perform when I give you that opportunity. And as, as as Alan says, it fosters a real mentality of, you know, winning. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And you can see them relishing those chances as well. But you know, you you look at what Hagzabanovic and O have done with their time. They've both they've both looked really impressive. Um, but also, you know, the delight. You know, O looked really relieved and satisfied when he scored, and Hagzabanovic yeah. looked delighted as well. It, it doesn't. You know, they're, they're, you, you can read too much into body language and really speculate, but it does, at the surface level, it does appear that, you know, they, they've bought into this. They've had this for, you know, 18 months now. They, they know how the manager's approach to things. They know that it, they'll get game time if they are justifying it. And I, th- I think that's, I think when you have that honest uh, relationship with the manager and it's not two-faced, they're not going in the back, it's not, you know, Ange isn't promising something and then doesn't deliver. I think that fosters, you know, a, a winning mentality, but also fosters uh, a healthy workplace culture at, at, at Lennox Town, at the, um, at the stadium. Basically, the, the dynamic is just, yeah, it's, it's just quite pleasant in a sense um, you know, I think that's really where this team is, is coming from I think everybody knows where their stands and as Alan says I'm also a hypocrite because I want to see all the new boys get lots of game time while winning games and that's just not how football works um, but yeah it's just I think if you're taking it but from like a rational perspective you know we've dropped we're and still in both cup competitions including the cup final and we've dropped five points all season um, it's a pretty astonishing record. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty remarkable um, record so far. So you can't really. I feel maybe a bit harsh to 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 criticise Ange for not rotating or not giving the new boys enough of a chance. Kieran, you said culture change there, and it absolutely brought me back um, to a terrifying time. So thanks for that. Um, uh, they've got good synchronicity uh, across the, <laughs> well, the well, touch base. They yeah. touch base really well. Yeah. Also, they just get a. They got a pool table and apparently and that that's really helped them out. Um that should be exhibit one when the new Celtic Museum opens. <laughs> um the pool table that Neil Lennon brought in and they just should sit there right in the lobby of the new museum and it should just be constantly there as a reminder. I can imagine what was going on that place again, aren't we? Yeah, I can imagine what was going on in his. I just want to say I can imagine what was going on in his head when, like, you know, he ran out of excuses and he was just like, he's sitting in front of that press conference and he just goes, um, "Pool table is that a thing? I don't, you know, pool." I reckon he just really fancied a game of pool every day and didn't want to spring for one in his flat, so thought, "Yeah, one at Lennox Town Club, Club will pay for it." Fair play. I mean, it's Mugs. A, yeah, it's a it's a kind of good idea. Um, but, but, but I just the, that that I've just got that image in my head now when you're seeing the pool table in your museum is like the the Simpsons when it's the cane from Citizen Kane. <laughs> Wait a minute, there was no pool table in Lennox Town. <laughs> Very good, love it. Uh, I just again another couple of clips. It's just kind of the own and on the kind of speculation and stuff. Let's just listen to this get out of the way. We were delighted to to see you here, and John Kenty said you were tied to a chair and locked in the room with security. <laughs> How's the last few days been? Bit bizarre. Um, <laughs> and anyone seen the size of John? We don't need security. Yeah. Whatever he wants, I'll, I'll pretty much do. Um, yeah, no, it's um, yeah. No, look, I'm, I'm I'm sort of focused on um, what we're doing here, and I just thought it was a good week for us just to focus on training and. You know, John's a very, very capable guy and uh, handles the media well. And, uh, you know, I thought I'd, I'd have a break from everyone and everyone can have a break from me. <laughs> Do you have a message for the fans in light of speculation? It always comes from having a successful yeah, well, spell. Yeah, I don't think the, the fans need a message from me. What the fans need is me to keep, you know, making sure that our, our football club represents them the right way. That's, mm. that's, that's my responsibility. I mean, 
you know, Gordon will tell you, if you've got a player in this in this position where he's getting a lot of attention, the first thing you're going to say to him is, you know what, just keep playing well, don't worry about anything else. And I'm old enough now, now to know that the game changes very quickly. I'm, I'm pretty blessed to be in the position I am. I'm working for a special football club and I'm never going to lose sight of that my main responsibility is making sure that I prepare the team well for a game. More importantly. Um, the, the, some other quotes from it later on, just to kind of bring into full context. Um, someone asked him about his future, the long-term future, and he says, I don't know what that means. Every decision I make for this football club is the best for this football club. It's not about me. It's not about trying to achieve something. Every job I've done, I've done as I'm going to, I've done it as if I'm going to be there forever. Every decision I've ever made, I'm making it as if I'm going to be here forever. But I won't be. That, deci- that decision, mate, might be taken out of my hands. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we're not going to spend too much time on this because we've already kind of covered it last week. But, you know, there's going to be speculation. Southampton have now got rid of their manager. I'm sure there'll be speculation linking them with that. So we're kind of we're going round and round in circles. But it's good to hear him kind of be forthright about it, being fairly honest about it. You know, he's not, you know, that he's not coming out saying I'm going to be here forever. I'm not. Make, he's not making promises of, you know, long term as in who knows how far in the future but it does sound like he's going to be here for at least the rest of the season Keaton yeah yeah I, th- I think I think I think it makes sense for him to do that I don't, I don't think it makes sense for both his reputation and credibility to jump ship yet you know I think it's a different situation to Brendan Rogers, who'd still had credit in the bank down south you know as like as, as a thing where if he jumps ship to Leeds and they get relegated then his career path is down. Just from a very cynical sort of careerist standpoint, I think the club the, it'd be a massive risk to join a club like Leeds or Southampton, given the trajectory they're on. They both have a very, very good chance of getting relegated, and you've just left Celtic for an English Championship job. Um, I, I, I think it's also, I think he'll be here till the summer. I think it could just be blind optimism, but I also hope he'll give us at least one more season. Partly because I think he feels he has unfinished business in the Champions League. You're you're reflecting on how gutted he was by the results and performances we had. Then he was absolutely desperate for one, just one win, to just re- add to his CV to say he's won a Champions League game. I think I think that's something maybe that could motivate him um, to stay to stay at Celtic for another season. Um, and I think it would make you know again from a very cynical job standpoint you know if you have three three successful years where you're showing the club you've taken from a club in complete mess complete mess you know you win uh, three straight uh, league titles hopefully Boom. Um, and then you you finish bottom they get them into the Champions League second season and then in the third season finish third maybe second maybe have a run in the Europa League that's that's really that's a really positive sign and then instead of you know Leeds or Southampton, you're being linked with maybe not one of the top six, but like a like a like a proper mid-table team that aren't going to capitulate or fall down anytime soon, or maybe like a really interesting job in the continent. I think it, that's if you're thinking of him, it just wouldn't make any sense to jump now. And but that could also just be like my absolute mortal fear that what what happens to this club if he leaves anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, the thing is though, like see with everything the trajectory you're kind of. Uh, kind of foreseeing there, Kieran, in regards to him saying he 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 walks away an absolute hero though. Like, and I, mm. and I think you know, it, you know, that's exactly. Alan's got a wee snidey look in his face, like, eh, fucking no, he doesn't. He come on, Alan, come on, <laughs> and you come, and you come, let's go. 
Well, we're talking about a hypothetical situation. Yeah, but yeah. We're, it, talk, it, we're talking about walk away. It doesn't walk away. Uh, I don't think if he leaves in the summer, I'd be particularly. No, 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 um, no, 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 not this summer. Next summer, if he walks away, oh, right, yeah. if he walks away next yeah. summer, and Celtic have it, finished second or third in the Champions League group, and we've got three in a row, like he walks yeah. away a hero. Oh, he's allowed to leave. You know, it's 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 not. Um, <laughs> he is allowed to leave of his own free will, um, and I should highlight that, and the club should highlight that. There's <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of chat about this. Yeah, a lot of chat. I'm sure I read in our accounts that there was a modern slavery statement at the end, so it's important that we point out that Ange is allowed to leave when he when he wishes. I just, I, I, I think it would be, I do think it would be bizarre. The Champions League is really, I think, if you're a coach, there's probably two things that you want to do um, if you're an ambitious coach. Um, and granted, we have a very European-centric view, and to be fair, Ange is probably someone who's actually shifted that quite a bit and actually certainly from a Celtic perspective opened up our, our eyes to the fact that there's football beyond Europe and actually it's, it's decent and it's quite good but I think the Champions League and the English Premier League are two the, the two platforms where generally the best coaches will, will go there's other great leagues absolutely but probably you know in terms of uh, exposure and creating a, a legacy I think they're where really good coaches can go and if you thrive then you are widely regarded as the best in the business he's got an opportunity again next season to try and do something in the Champions League and I think after the disappointment of this year I think both the players and the manager will really look forward to that and hope that they can make inroads what those are is very difficult as you say if we finished second in a Champions League group then absolutely would be you know it would be a miraculous achievement, but any sort of progress, I think, would be an improvement. I think to go after one year of it, when you're kind of still building, I think, your best version of the squad, I think it would certainly be seen as unfinished business. So I think on the quotes themselves, he's very forthright. He's not committing himself to, I'll definitely be here tomorrow or I'll definitely be here in a year. And that's fine. I think he is. I think he's quite clever. He's generally very good with the media. Um, and it's not being evasive just for the sake of it. I think it's that quite simply, he probably doesn't know where he'll be in a year's time. And I think that's maybe, um, you know, that's, that is understandable. Um, so yeah, but quite right to ask the question, I suppose. I don't think Andrew was ever going to give you an answer that was anything that you could, you know, set your watch to, to be honest. And yeah. I don't think he will, whether it be the summer or, or again. I think every day that there's no news is, is good news, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's kind of move on a little bit. Uh, the club have announced a six-month revenue of $76.5 million in the inter- interim financial report. Um, revenue increased by 44.8% to 76 point. 5 million profit from trading was 28.5 28.1 million uh, profit profit from transfers of players registration um has went up as well yeah sorry it's, it's dropped massively but that's due to how we are trading currently uh, profit before taxation of 33.9 million um i think we'll put the uh, biscuit tin uh, sign up and we can talk through that with our good friend martin friel he's the He's the man who'll know that. So, as I say, uh, profits are up. Um, some quotes from uh, Peter Lowell talking about it. He's obviously the, the new chairman and stuff. So, um, I'll speak to Martin. We'll get a biscuit tin and, and we can kind of pick through that in a little bit more detail. But just uh, just quickly, I've just got this image in my head now of when uh, Ian Banky left. Just um, the me- the meme of, of Martin looking happy, and then he sees Lowell as the, in- <laughs> the incumbent, and then he's just he's uh, yeah, good good t- good stuff. 
Uh, I can't, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I always love uh, Martin's rants. It's, it's going to be great. Absolutely. Uh, big big fan. Uh, there's a link between for Crystal Palace and for Kyogo, but it looks like a lot of just absolute nonsense. It just looks like they've picked a name out of the air. Um, one thing I'll say is we'll, we'll talk about Kyogo potentially, well, what his fitness kind of concerns are in regards to him coming off on Saint, uh, against St. Mirren. But I've got a question. Um Okay, the we've got three questions. Uh, they're all related to the St. Mirren game, so I think we should just kind of look at the St. Mirren game. We'll just start focusing on that. Um, okay, question from uh, Liam. Uh, he Liam always asks some really interesting questions. Hello, Cynics. Hope you're having a good weekend. This was sent yesterday, but it's for the agenda. Question for the agenda. Um, could Ange be a bit more braver with his substitutions, particularly in terms of the defence? I completely get why CCV and Starfield start every game. They are proven defenders. But the way St Mirren set up last night, I thought it was clear from quite early on that our biggest weakness was getting pressed rather than having to do much traditional defending. And therefore, the introduction of Kobayashi would have aided us. I know altering the backline mid-game is unusual and that could be perceived as a risk. If this potentially, an, but is this potentially an old-fashioned way of, view, of viewing the game? Thanks as ever, Kieran. Look, he's 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 dripping with delight because he wants to talk about Kobayashi. Um, Kieran, have at it. Kobayashi should start every game, every <laughs> single one. <laughs> no, no, but is that, um, I do. I, I think I I agree that I think playing out from the back with this back five is not good. We're not good at it. Um, because Johnston terms to hold his width, CCV and Starfelt and Hart aren't particularly good on the ball, and Greg Taylor is he, he is good at it, but he is one man across an entire pitch. It's quite hard for him um, to, to to basically do it himself. And when McGregor has one, you know, is getting man marked the entire game, it's quite hard to progress up the pitch unless you have one of your back five other than Taylor is can you know break lines, he can move the ball quickly, he can be that, you know, playmaker role when McGregor's getting sort of <laughs> marked out of the game. Um I, I think on I, I think that I'm very worried about that for the Rangers game because it does look like this is going to be the back five for the Rangers game. And we know our biggest weakness against Rangers is playing out from the back. We've it happens every time apart from games when we just you know, scalp them into submission like we did in uh, September. But most other games against them, we really struggle. Um, and it, we know this is the problem, and it look it doesn't look like we're going to address it for February for the for the cup final. So I'm a little little worried about that. Specifically on the you know changing teams, like I, I wait, there's something between us and Ella. I'd I'd like to see more of Kobayashi, and both in a joking sense and a serious sense. I think. Ultimately, if you want to improve as a team, you have to address your weaknesses, and he has a skill set that helps us address our weaknesses. So I think that's the my personal thing. But I do understand we've seen it Ange time and again. Once he has a settled centre back partnership, he just sticks it with it, even if there's two games a week. He, he, even against you know cup games, he just really, you know, I, I reckon if Starfield, uh, no sorry, if CCV wasn't injured for the Morton and St. Mirren games when Kobe actually did play. I think there's a very good chance we won't have seen a single minute of Kobayashi yet. Um, I think he's just like, he just sticks with his partnership for the duration. And we have to respect, as Alan says, they're a very, a very stable partnership. 
both this season and last season, they had an outstanding defensive partnership and they're both very successful 18-yard box defenders. They're both good centre-backs for Celtic. So it feels a bit, maybe a bit of a stretch to criticise too much, but personally I would like to see maybe a bit more of Kobayashi going forward. Um, Alan, um, your your take on it, um, Liam's question in regard to kind of bravery for making specific substitutions maybe in games and uh, Kieran's uh, basically promo, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper style promo on Kobayashi. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I think you need to check the number that that's been sent from because that does feel like Kieran has just sent in a question so he can answer. It is very, very on brand. Um, I do think it, I, I, like you can, I think what Kieran says is absolutely spot on. The defensive record of Starfield and Karen and Carter Vickers is, is incredible. I don't know if you noticed though, I did give myself a bit of an out earlier when I was talking about how good they have been and I kept saying domestically in front of it. And it is like a wee caveat that I think there needs to be an improvement, whether that's with the ball, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be. I think if you want to kick on to the next level, it probably does need a shift. Now, I have no idea whether Kobayashi will be that person. Um, But anyone that watched the game on Saturday, anyone that watched on TV or was at the game, it was very, very clear that we struggled when we were pressed and... Potentially one of the worst examples, to be honest, of how much we struggled with it. It was really, really poor. And I don't think Ange would have been watching that or will watch it back again. He'll be very happy with the results. It's a cup game. You want to get through it next round. But I don't think he'll be happy with what he's seen. Um, it was very, very poor. There was a lot of reasons for it. It's not just solely down to the centre-halves. But they they, they did struggle. Um, and when we were put under pressure, which St Mirren did do, and they gained confidence from it, we struggled to play out and actually it led to quite a lot of untidy play. So, um, you know, whether that, whether a substitution at the heart of defence would have improved that, I don't really know because I haven't seen enough of Kobayashi, but um, I think there, there probably has to be an acceptance that certainly next season, there will have to be some sort of improvement there. And that might lead to potentially slight defensive frailties. And I think that might be the thing with, Kobayashi. I think if he was as good as if he was as good a defender as you know Starfelt in terms of penalty box defender, he probably either wouldn't be here or he would be playing. And obviously that trade off maybe at this point isn't quite worth it because in spite of those the slight deficiencies, we still manage to win games every week. But I think with an eye on that cup final, with an eye on the Champions League next year, I think there maybe is an acceptance that you will need to do something. It's just when actually do you start doing that? Because we are winning in the meantime, even when we do struggle, generally we're, we're, we're pretty comfortable. It's then about when do you make that change? And I think with the limited game time we've got, it's, it is very difficult to see. I, I certainly don't see anything happening ahead of the cup final. I don't really see anything happening after the cup final either. It's when it rolls into the summer, when you've got time to work and change, that will then be the case. Will we go into the market or will we put our faith in Kobayashi? Um, I wouldn't rule out I, I wouldn't rule out that we would go into the market again for a centre half this summer if something became available. So I think it's just one that you can ask that question probably every week and I, I just don't see it changing. Um, and I can understand it. It is a little bit frustrating, but when we're winning games week on week, then... <laughs> I can understand why Ange thinks, you know, I'll kick the can down the road and deal with it in the summer. Kieran? I, I think just just to quickly add, I do think we miss Juranovic a bit 
in terms of playing out because he was so good at being that secondary playmaker coming inside, being the inverted fullback who yeah. picks up the ball and under pressure very quickly moves the ball on. That's just not really Johnston's game. He is more a traditional fullback. Maybe he'll develop that into that in time, but he's not really inverting at the moment. He's not really been that option for the centre-backs um, if need be, which I think is maybe why we've not... We've sort of regressed in playing out there from the back since the turn of the year, I think. Um, you know, I just from my personal perspective, you know, I think, you know, as Alan says, and we're going to talk about the, the, the game um, a little bit more, but it's kind of obvious to see what the kind of deficiencies were on, on Saturday with, with playing out from the back. But Ange must be able to see that as well. And, you know, obviously he'll look over games and, you know, they'll do the, the, the analysis and the breakdown and he'll know that you know, to change, to kind of evolve this idea of playing out from the back. We might need Kobayashi, but I think if, if Kobayashi was ready, as Alan says, I think if Kobayashi was ready to play, I don't think, I don't think Ange is sitting there saying, well, I can't, I'm, just because I've said I don't break up centre-half pairings doesn't mean that I'm not willing to do it. You know, I, I think if Kobayashi was ready, he would play. I think Ange, as we've mentioned, he's very cold in regards to, like, if I think this is best for the team and this is best for Celtic, then it's going to happen. We've seen it in the past with with plenty of decisions. So Kobayashi coming in, I think, will happen naturally. Uh, we've got a question from Troy, um, and it's on the Kobayashi kind of train. Given that the all too frequent mistakes by Starfelt, how dare you, Troy? Uh, do the panel think Kobayashi will be CZV's preferred partner next season? So it's more than likely that it will be CCV and Starfelt for the rest of this season, Kobayashi having the odd chance. When it comes to... Alan, you kind of kind of alluded to that. When it comes to the summer, do you think it will be a case of CCV and Kobayashi will be what I'm just thinking coming into it? Starfelt, that penalty, I mean, you could see it coming a fucking mile. You could see it coming a mile off. As soon as the guy runs across Starfelt, he does have a tendency sometimes just to stick his foot out. And we've seen it a couple of times. But I don't think he's making as many mistakes as maybe... You know, people are alluding to, but at the same time, you know, maybe he's not the fit. Alan, what's your thoughts? Do you think a future, um, sorry, from a summer point of view and next season, Ange will be like Kobayashi, if not number one uh, ahead of Starfelt, but at least really challenging him? Because CCV looks like the rock. Yeah, I, th- I think, I, th- I think if, if CCV was to, you know, for, you know, this example, if he was to see out his contract here, I think you would be quite comfortable. I think he's the more natural fit in there and that he's, you know, he's a very, very good defender. He's, he tends not to make too many errors. Um, but the staff out's a little bit different. I, I get nervous when we start discussing staff out because any criticism of him usually tends to land on a bit of a pylon for some reason. Um, when actually, he does make mistakes. It's you know, I really like Starfield, but he he sometimes can be kind of rash. And you mentioned the penalty at the weekend. I think it's identical with the penalty that he gave away against Hearts um, at the start of last season. And you know, it's just it's just clumsy. And I think I think over the last couple of weeks, to be honest, I think he has had a slight um, tendency to make himself uncomfortable, whether it be with a pass or just getting himself a little bit caught. And it's largely in games when we're under very little duress. So. Uh, you know, that would be a slight concern. Um, I, with Kobe, I really don't know because 
Andrew's shown that he will make big decisions. And I know that centre half, he tends to be a little bit more um, conservative than with any other areas of the park. I think if, if Kobe actually had come in and he felt that he was ready and that he needed game time so that next season he is up to speed, I think he would have used them. So he is very much in that zone or that area at the moment where, where it is very much a wait and see approach. I'd really, like I said, I would not be surprised if we did go into the market in the summer because centre-half is so pivotal to probably what we want to achieve in the Champions League that you need that area to be right. And I think ideally you need two that are equally as adept with the ball as they are at defending. But I think reality, the realities of the transfer market are that if you could get one, it would make a huge difference. I'm not sure if Kobayashi is going to be going to be that player that you slot in beside Cameron Carter-Vickers because I think if he was... I think you would see him a little bit more. And I think the fact that he's not, I think, suggests that A, he either needs a lot more time or B, that that adjustment might not be to Champions League level um, because it's a huge, huge step up even playing you know, playing domestic football at Champions League level. It's hard to kind of imagine how difficult this that step up would be. It's even more difficult if you aren't getting those minutes domestically. So I really wouldn't, I think all options are on the table when it comes to the summer for centre-halves. Kieran, I guess your answer is yes, yes, a thousand times yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think I agree with Alan. I think it is I'm a, it is a little. Cons- <laughs> I feel like I'm just um, contradicting myself now and said, "Oh, you have to trust with Ange; they're going to get integrated <laughs> eventually." It's your favourite players. Is, I know, I know. But it's a, it's a, a little. I do come back to it. it maybe a little concerning that only one player signed from the last two windows is getting regular. Well, actually, two players. I forgot about Johnston, but uh, Moy and Johnston are the only two players sent from the last two windows who are getting regular game time. Um, never mind just being guaranteed starters. It's maybe a, you know, it's maybe a uh, reflection of how how high the level is now with the team. But it's also a sign that maybe I don't know. Maybe the players we brought in potentially aren't the game changers we hope they were. But I think that's far far too premature to latch on to that at any stage I think it's maybe a little disappointing we haven't seen more of them and maybe it is a reflection that we don't think these are the guys who can you know Kobayashi and Iwata aren't the final pieces in the uh, the jigsaw but you know ag- again like Moy took a few months to integrate Hagzabanovic you know he's a bit before even before he enjoyed good game time in the October and November he took a few months as well I think maybe it is just the thing where this is a we'll, we'll laugh about this uh, concern this time next year once they've had a proper pre-season and a proper time in the summer and then you know I think if like like what happened with Eddie Gucci I think m- maybe you have a bit of caution and then if they're not starting or featuring regularly and by September then you maybe August September then you're starting to be maybe a bit concerned about what the recruitment has been because we need better players for the Champions League. Like, let's be absolutely honest. I think Alan, Alan's spawn on that. Like, If you don't think Kobayashi is a Champions League quality player, you probably do need to go in and get another centre-back. It's the same for a number of positions of the pitch, which we've had, you know, gone over to death. But um, I think that we just have to be very calculating because we are not going to improve in Europe unless we bring in better players who raise the level of starting eleven. It's funny because it's, <clears throat> you know, that whole thing of like, um, trust the process and trust Ange. When I go to the pub, it's like pint number one. I'm like, Ange Postacoglu knows what he's doing. 
Absolutely, no question about it. Pint number three, I'm like, you know, there are some players in the squad that maybe should get more game time. And pint number six, I'm like, why the fuck is Aksabanovich not playing? Hey, he's class! And all that. So it's like, you know, you, you trust the process um, until you're the player you really like isn't getting a game. And then there's something wrong. Something's not working. Something's not right. Um, yeah, um, great great questions. Uh, we've got a couple more that we'll kind of bring into uh, as, as we go. Um, but Celtic 5, St Mirren 1, it was... Um, a tougher game than the scoreline will, will have you believe. Uh, Alan, you were at the game. I, I was myself as well. What was your kind of thoughts on it overall? Um, really, really poor, to be honest. Uh, I, I, I did have a slight... I was thinking... I went for a couple of beers and some lunch just before the game. Lovely. Um, not too far away. And I did get... as. Pint three wrapped up, and I was about to stick the jacket on. I was thinking, do you know, I could just, I could just not go today. <laughs> um, and I felt bad for thinking it. It's an impure thought, uh, except, however, I did go along, and the first seventy minutes was uh, was just a really tough watch. To be honest, I think it's probably as poor as we've been for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I'm completely going to throw in that we dose a perspective. We won the game. We won it comfortably in the end, and we are winning week on week at the moment and you know as Kieran said earlier we've dropped five points all season we'll get a commanding lead at top we're still in both cup competitions you can still think that we were just abject on Saturday I, I think it's one of the poorest performances of the season um, I thought it was actually quite a hard watch um, so maybe my wee face was tripping me because I was thinking I could have just <laughs> I could have just been watching it on TV with a couple of pints um, but I did go and I should be richly rewarded for that um, you know later <laughs> in the year I would imagine I should a couple of extra boy points um, I would hope but I, I thought it was really really poor I thought there were so many abject performances all over the park I think a number of players were very very fortunate not to give me, a, the, give me a couple of names I thought Thought Starfield was really poor. Thought Turnbull was awful, um, and he's the name that he probably is the name that people will go to. And I think the reason for that is because, like we said at the start, when you get that game time, you get that start that Matt, O'Re- Matt O'Reilly probably would have thought this is you know this this game time's for me. This is my opportunity, but he didn't. I think Turnbull's job is to then come in and impress, and you know. And, and he just didn't. I think, um, you know, it's similar to, uh, maybe the way I would look at it is very similar to what I said, I think, last week about Leo Bada and that actually he's done himself, the the more game time that he gets, the more harm he does his chances of starting, Some, which yeah. is, I know that is a bit of a kind of tongue twister, but that's exactly what it is. Um, I, I, I just thought the amount of times we gave the ball away, we were caught on it. I think we were really sluggish. I think it was pointed out that the midfield was the same as the performance earlier in the season against St Mirren and um, I thought Moy was uncharacteristically very, very poor, caught in the ball a number of times. I just thought top to bottom, I thought it was an abject performance and I felt that St Mirren um, just grew in confidence as the game went on and then I think the penalty and the red card really did have a a huge bearing on the game but I I felt, I don't think there's any way that Ange watches that back and doesn't feel that actually that's not good enough and that you then have to try and work through that and address it, whether you do it directly or whether you do it through how you train. I just felt it was very poor. Um, but I've been at Celtic Park loads and we've all been there, I'm sure, in that situation where we play really poorly. You win the game 5-1. But if you're looking at it as an isolated 90 minutes, I thought it was as, 
it's as poor as we've been at Celtic Park this season and um, definitely want to forget. Um, so for the people that went and didn't opt to stay in the pub, I think there was a few casualties by the time um, half four, five o'clock rolled round. I don't think it was one that you'd particularly enjoy, except for a couple of specific moments in the game, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's 1-0 for, I think, when we scored the second, get that penalty, but I wasn't, it's, I was uncomfortable because, you know, St Mirren were getting further up the pitch more and more and they were really kind of pressing us and, you know, yeah, Kieran, what was your thoughts? Yeah, um, as we mentioned, the playing out was a disaster and the midfield was a disaster. Uh, hopefully we never see Moy and Turnbull as a midfield pairing again. Um, you know, Moy's in good form at the moment, but it's because he has a runner beside him and not almost always in Hatate. Um, both Moy and Turnbull, they are, for all their, you know, they do have good quality on the ball, but they need time to, to do it. Then, you know, they're not guys, as we said it before, they're not guys who move the ball in quickly with one or two touches. They are people who prefer to take their time, three or four touches, three or four seconds, and then making the decision on the ball. And they're both physically slow. As we saw at the number of times where Simon just broke and Moy and Turnbull were nowhere to be found because they just don't try back. <laughs> If, you know, Moy is good when he has somebody who can do the legwork for him and he can just focus on, you know, pinging passes in behind it or making those runs down to the channel. He's not somebody who contributes a lot defensively. So I, I think, yeah, the, and the playing out was just a, a mess as well. And then, you know, Abada came on and, and struggled at the same time. And I think, I think there was something we mentioned last week about Maeda has improved his faults so much since, you know, even a few months ago, but since he's, since he joined Celtic, he has really worked on his issues to try and hone out. A bad and Turnbull's problems are still the exact same ones they had when they started, when Ange came in. They've not improved their issues. And I think in some cases they seem to have regressed in a lot of ways. You know, the, 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 the strengths of their hand they had, whether that was Turnbull, you know, is, is quality, is quality on, on the ball when it making a range of passes, you know, he's still scoring goals and a badder, you know, he's still grabbing a goal here and there, but they're just, they're really, their underlying performances and their, their flaws are becoming more and more pronounced. And I think as we're getting to, you know, we're talking about, we are at the stage now, we've got just over 10 games left of the league. We're getting to the later stage of the cup competitions. As I mentioned the last couple of weeks, I've got personally one eye on the Champions League next year. How comfortable are you with those guys starting Champions League games, getting you know, getting serious minutes in the Champions League? It's, I think these are the sort of hard conversation you need to have. But on, if we're being positive, as soon as Hatati and O'Reilly came on, the game changed. Both players were were. I thought O'Reilly was really good for the first, you know for the first time in a long time. You know he had his brilliant, brilliant goal. But I thought just the way he. The urgency and the tempo they added as soon as they were subbed on was significant and it was very, very notable. And I think if you're Ange, you've got to take note of that as well. Um, but Hitate was just so, head and shoulders. Again, just head and shoulders. Maybe he had an off day last week and he's like, and he's maybe took being dropped personally because he was just absolutely outstanding every facet of him. And then his, um, his second goal where he has that brilliant pass out to Abada and then that finish. It was like a training game, or it was like in FIFA when you're playing, you're, you're, you're just playing one of the players in FIFA, and you're just making sure that the entire game revolves around you. You want to score the screamer and have the, the class pass. It was like that. It was just like it was on, 
he was like puppeteering everyone else on the pitch. Um, yeah. Yeah, just a, a question on Turnbull we, we received from Scott today. Why is David Turnbull, who played such a massive role in last season, uh, at least the first six months, now a player who doesn't seem to be able to ho- uh, to work in the side? Ange hasn't changed the system very much, although I'd argue the level has gone up. So is it something Turnbull is or isn't doing? Um, it's a good point. It's a good question. Um, I thought David Turnbull was really poor on Saturday. Um he, I, I counted in the first half at least him getting caught on the ball at least three times. Um, Alan, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think maybe the first thing to maybe point out as well is that probably largely the reason that he's been given that start is because he's impressed in cameos recently where he has been struggling. So when he has come on, you know, he's I know he's grabbed himself a couple of goals, but he's looked pretty comfortable in the ball. And I think late on in games <clears throat> when teams have maybe tired a little, they're not as quick to press on the edge of the box. He's someone that can offer a real threat there. Um, so he's been given the start. I just think he's very poor. I think in terms of why is he not able to work, I don't think, I think Kieran probably points out, I think him and Moy in the side, I mean, neither of them are particularly dynamic midfielders in terms of the, the the speed at which they move. Moy is very much a player that likes to have the ball do the work. And I think Turnbull is similar, although that he is more mobile, but his natural game is to have the ball at his feet and move the ball as opposed to drive with it, like Hitati can do. So I think he can work. He had a very, very poor game. I think the, the question for him now becomes how does he then, at what point does he win himself another start? this season and I know that sounds really dramatic with X amount of games to go but when you put in a performance like that having impressed I think it does set you back quite a bit and I think the question I think a lot of people have came to the, maybe the, the the conclusion about the squad generally not just with Turnbull that the level is incrementally improving you know with every window it might only be an extra player but an extra player you know you add a Watt in there you, you take away Abelgar that then means that it becomes more difficult for everyone to play. And I think with Turnbull, I think from the starting position he had last year, which was really by default, he had to play. And actually he was he was very impressive. Every window since we've tended to improve in that area and he hasn't moved forward with it. He hasn't maybe kicked on in the way that a player of his age you would expect to. And I think, to be honest, the one thing he's maybe struggling with is not playing regular football and I think it is impacting his game I think when you see him at the weekend being caught in possession David Turnbull's more than an accomplished player that he can be the best player in the park against a, a team of St Mirren's quality I, I don't doubt that for a second but when you aren't playing regularly and you do have to come in and do it and do it to the extent that you give the manager a difficult decision I, th- I think he's struggling with that to be honest and I think he, m- he may have found that kind of niche and when teams are tired, as I say, they're maybe not pressing as hard. That last 10, 15 minutes with his range of passing, his ability to strike the ball, that maybe that is his best fit for this team at the moment. And on Saturday's evidence, I think it'll be extremely difficult for him to get another start. As I said, you, I think most people would have thought O'Reilly would have been the player that would have um, would have been straight back in, but he wasn't. And I think Turnbull certainly hasn't done his chances any good at all. I, I thought... It's Aaron Moy puts in a performance like he did on Saturday. He's played well week on week, man of the match, you know, numerous occasions. You put it down to a bad day. For David Turnbull, it's an entirely different dynamic. You need to seize that chance. You need to grab the opportunity with both hands. And he really didn't. And 
you know, I think Andrew just look at it and think I can only give the players the platform if they, if they don't then take that chance. Then that's that's their issue. You know, similarly, his answer about you know keeping players happy. If he gives players an opportunity and they don't take it, that that's up to them really. So yeah, I think it's disappointing. He hasn't moved on. I think what Kieran, the point he makes about a bad Turnbull is probably quite accurate. And they haven't worked on refining the game in the way that you would hope. Certainly, it's not to say that they haven't been trying, but the results of it or the output of it. Isn't really there to see as clearly. Um, Kenny, you've obviously we kind of touched Turnbull um, just before we that question was asked. But oh, scores gets himself on the uh, the the goal trail. I guess I don't know. Um, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a very instinctive finish. Uh, kind of nice work on the penalty box, but he had some nice stuff outside, which I I liked as I mentioned earlier, Kieran. Your thoughts on all? Just and just it's great that he's scored. Yeah, and he's another one like Awata and Kobayashi. Not only the January signings, but we have hopes for the types of player they represent. If Kobayashi is your ball playing centre back, Awata is the you know the do it all number six. Then O is the guy that combines Gigi and Kyogo. We hope to a, a, you know a successful extent. We hope he's the guy who's both physical and technical. Um, you know, and I think you you alluded to it earlier, but just just simple things like managing to sh- you know shrug off an opposition player to have a nice layoff isn't something we've really s- really seen because Kyogo can be out muscled and Gigi that sort of f- football. He's not he wasn't great at link up play. I, it's the kind of thing we saw from Dembele and Edward. That was like their style of play, yeah. and it's exciting because it's, it's not something we've seen in, in a while in a Celtic jersey from a from a striker. Just that ability to shrug off a centre back and play in a teammate, and it's perfect for how we play football. Very positive early signs, really instinctive finish, and he also I really like how much he, how hard he works. Like he presses, and not just in terms of his work rate, but how smartly he presses as well. Like, uh, uh, you watch him, he, is the way he angles his runs is quite similar to Maeda in that he doesn't just follow the ball. He tries to close down both the man and a passing lane when he when he presses, which is, you know, that's the sign of a, a really smart presser is when you're trying to do both at once. So, um, yeah, again, very early days, but it's, it's quite exciting. You know, I'm really looking forward to seeing more of him. You could say he's an impressor because played played well. Press. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. What did you think of him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to content, maybe if the analogy is me sitting with my face tripping me like a spoiled brat, then oh, scoring was like someone coming up and handing me an ice ice cream <laughs> um, because it, it it changed my face instantly, uh, and it really did. To be honest, it, it lifted the stadium. I think to when he. When Kyogo went off, I think most people probably hoped that we would have went to O, but, you know, it's maybe quite a bit of game time for someone that's just in the door, you're trying to ease him in. But as soon as he come on, everybody just wants to see, everybody wants a new strike that's going to go. And I think it's even more pronounced when it is a young player. And then you add into that, it's a young player coming from a completely different you know, continent. I think just the idea of him scoring just puts everyone at ease. Actually, probably puts the fan base more at ease than it does the player because you know, you know he'll want to score goals, but he probably knows it will come at some point. It was it was a nice moment. Um, it really did lift the atmosphere in the stadium a lot. Um, so if the first you know seventy minutes, sixty five minutes was a bit of a slog, I think when he scored, it did lift the stadium and actually it put the result out of um, you know out of any dispute. But it just then kind of signalled that, you know, there might be 
more goals than this and I know he had a couple other opportunities I, I'm encouraged by him I think he is quite rough and I think you've seen both the good and the bad you know on um, on Saturday because I think he's a really really nice opportunity late on and he just entirely does the wrong uh, thing yeah yeah the show so, yeah. either you've got to try and I sound like a, a hack doing you know kind of analysis but you'd probably want to go across the goalkeeper there. Um, and I think you'd probably know that, whether he's just misscrewed it or, you know, whatever's happened. I think you can see, you know, I, I put a lot of stock in, we were talking about the Joe Hart comments about him and that they were quite unusual and that they are very, very full of praise, but also kind of tempered. And I think you can see that the way I do. I'm certainly, I like when he tries to roll a defender. I can't really remember the last striker we had that really wanted to do that. Um, probably you would be going back to maybe Musa um, because he does, he likes when a defender gets tight to him because he then wants to show my glimpse, but then well, and it's encouraging, it doesn't always come off, but he is a different prospect um, and he is he wants to do really exciting things, I think he's got a bit of an entertainer in him as well, so he's he's definitely a player that you would um, you want to see more of, um, and it'll be interesting now because Ange probably has a potentially a big decision to make. Is he ready for a start or do you actually go with Maeda up top who, as a player, we've probably not mentioned yet, but on Saturday was, I, I thought was, I, I couldn't believe he didn't get man in a match, to be honest. Um, but it's it's interesting because I think if we've got a big game on Saturday and it, is, it isn't an easy game, I know they're having a tough time, it could be a big call to start Owen. He's, he's good value, I would say. So richly rewarded for going along just by the value of him scoring a goal. I thought it was, um, it was a nice moment. We do need to decide what his song is, though. I think that's everyone needs to come together and have a discussion. Yeah, we talked about that in the pub afterwards. Um, it being the white stripes didn't really work. Um, but we'll talk about I that. It worked, I thought it worked pretty well, to be honest. Um, well, I will. Pretty well. But there's other options as well. Yeah, music's none of your business, as you famously once said. Um, <laughs> that's very true. That's uh, very true. Just on O... Um, it's just some comments from him. Um, I've been ready since the day I signed for the club, but I hope that Kyogo isn't seriously injured because he's a very good teammate. I'm ready to start the next match, but this is a decision of the manager. He will decide what is best for me and for the team. Um, he admitted it was his dream moment. I tried to stay in the box. As a striker, I saw that Callum was going to shoot. I expected that. There would be a rebound. felt there would be a chance for me. Unfortunately, it took the chance and scored the goal. In terms of my emotions, this was the moment I've been dreaming about my whole life. I'm so happy to share this moment with fans and teammates. Um... It was very important for me to score so soon, especially after coming on in the game. As a striker, I tried to stay calm and not be nervous. Maybe I can try the same approach in every game now. Um, he talks about Scotland, uh, Scottish football. I can already, already feel that the football game and the football players in Scotland are more physical and stronger than anything I've experienced in Korea. But all the ele- other elements are similar. So I try and join the football here. But yes, I do like the physical side. This is one of my strengths to play a very physical, very strong game as a striker. My aim is to score every game. This is what I will try to do. A target, as many as possible. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Um, Kyogo. Uh, this is what Ange, Ange kind of has a wee summary of the game and he, and he talks about Kyogo. I'll put that on. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's a key thing. We're in, into the next round. Had a, yeah, I thought it was a real good cup tie, you know. They um, they came at us and um, yeah, they, they put in a, a hell of a shift today to try and stop us and, and credit to them. But um, again, the lads stuck at it and, uh, you know, I thought... Um, you know, towards the end of the game, we, we got it. Obviously, them going a man down didn't help them, but I just thought we were getting stronger and, um, 
you know, again, great con- contribution from the guys off the bench. How's Kyogo? Obviously, yeah. the, the team scored just after he went off, but how yeah. was that his shoulder? <coughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see how it is. Um, we'll get a scan tomorrow. Obviously, um, there's an issue there. Um, he's a pretty quick healer, so hopefully it won't be anything too serious. But, um, yeah, disappointing to lose him. Yeah, no, I said to the lads, there's no reviews of cup <laughs> losses. Um, yeah. You know, you just bin them and, and, and that's it because... Uh, you know, whatever lessons you need to learn, you want to learn them while, while progressing to the next round. And mm-hmm. um, it's just the nature of cup football. And, and like I said, we knew we knew they'd come at us today. And you know, Cameron and, 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 and Carl were really strong, and they had to be because they've got some big physical boys up front who work hard. So I thought they handled it well. Um, Kyogo, he's a strong healer. Uh, they'll get a scan, and I'm sure we'll get kind of updates uh, over the next couple of days. Um, I mean, he went off really early. It was it was really, really early into the game. And again, it just seemed like a really innocuous sort of challenge, similar to the one against Rangers um, last season. Um, is, is it a worry? Obviously, it's a worry if he's, if he's not going to be available for, well, even for the Aberdeen game. But, you know, the final is two weeks away. Hopefully, that's enough time, Kieran, for him to get up to sharpness. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I just have no... Truck with trying to trying to guess the extent of injuries anymore because I just remember when he went off in the Boxing Day St Johnston game last season when it was that was supposed to be precautionary and we didn't see him for four months. <laughs> That's so true, yeah. I, I just I was just trying to avoid saying anything. But like you know, it'll be great if he's uh, starring against Aberdeen. Brilliant. I, that's that's all I want to see. Um, I do agree with Alan though. I imagine I think just the the you know conservatism with team selection. I do think. If if Kyogo doesn't make it, I think it's ninety five percent going to be Maeda. Then with like Abada or maybe Hags, I, I hopefully Hags Abadovich because we we really want to see him. But even then, I just I just suspect it would just do Abada again with Maeda and, and Jota. Um, just, you know, as much as I'd love to see Owen uh, Hack get more minutes, um, I, I I do wonder if that potentially if that maybe it becomes more of a like a a bigger debate if like Kyogo that 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 the debate we're having every week about should these guys be getting some more starts should they be getting more game time I think Kyogo missing out and then if he does stick with Maeda and Abada as the 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 two um, beside Jota I think it would be quite interesting just to see whether. People, you know, obviously it depends on whether, you know, Abada and Maeda might score four eight, uh, between them against Aberdeen and then you can't really complain about it. But I do think it'd be interesting to see whether, oh, we've seen what O can do. We know what Haxabanovic can do. Abada, you know, Maeda's in brilliant form at the moment. Abada isn't. I think I'm completely speculating over hypothetical <laughs> debate, but I think, I think it's, I do wonder whether this subject would be even more contentious if, if Kyogo misses out, or if, if you know, if an injury happens, let's say, God forbid, Hitati gets injured, um, you know, would it be a case where you know Turnbull gets his his minutes rather than saying you could try Haxabana, which is one of the number eights, or Riley? Is he just going to keep going with the tried and tested, even if injuries create opportunities for these guys to come in? That's a good. That's a good question, Kieran. What's your thoughts on that, Alan? Yeah, I, th- I think. Um... I think it would go Maeda this weekend, but I don't think it would be a reflection on O's potential or his ability to play. I think it would just be about his match fitness. And, you know, I think you'd be very careful not to overload him. Potentially, 
with that huge game as well, you do need a fit striker. So I think I wouldn't see Maida starting through the middle this weekend as a negative reflection at all or no. I think it would more just be he knows they'll play a part in the game and he would rather that he was he had a full complement available for the following week. I think I think just generally the Kyogo injury, it probably does put our... I think people might look at it and think that the decision to sell Giacomacchus, it might bring that into focus. And I understand why you would think that at the time and is not necessarily, is certainly not what you would want. But I think it's just the nature of it. I think these things are going to happen. Kyogo has had a tendency. He is unfortunate, but he does tend to miss out, you know, you know, a month here and there. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it is, you know, two or three weeks that he's out, I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him for a couple of weeks, which it would be a huge blow because the form he's in at the moment is it's quite simply sensational. Um, it just seems to pop up in the, the best of areas and and his finishing has been kind of lethal recently. So I think it would be a huge blow. I don't think there's any way you can paint it as anything other than if he wasn't available for this weekend and the following, it, would be a, it really would be a huge blow for us. It's not to say that other guys can't, and pick up the slack and we're more than capable but just on the face of it he, he's in incredible form at the moment he's, he is really back to that player that we saw last year that kind of lights up the team and when you go to Hamden you go to cup finals whether it's against Rangers or whether it's against you know any other team you want him available um, so it would, be, it would be a huge blow so hopefully we'll get an update I would imagine in his pre-match press conference you might get an insight you know later in the week I really hope it's positive news because He's just made for cup finals and big games, I think, Hugo. And given that he's broke his kind of, you know, he's broke his duck against Rangers, you would fancy him to um, to go on and make it a regular thing. Yes, I absolutely would. Lo- I'd fancy that. I'd love that. I um, really came full circle there from saying <laughs> that he's out for four weeks to actually he will be back and he will continue his final goal scoring form against Rangers. Um, I. As I say, uh, we have a reaction uh, that dropped straight after the game, uh, um, the Celtic game at the weekend, uh, the St Mirren game. There's a reaction at Claire, uh, Graham Mackay and uh, our good friend Eddie Walsh. Um, you can go and listen to it. They talk about everything in a little bit more detail than we've covered uh, today. But yeah, great stuff. Let's go to the Colt Report. <laughs> After bringing the Premier League International Cup campaign to an end last week, Celtic B made the return to Low League action. From the feet to the Rovers, the boys had a weekend break from the League, but on Wednesday evening they would take on the University of Stirling. Darren Day and Stephen Murray faced a series of injury issues going into the game and named a very young starting lineup at the Fourth Bank Stadium. Unfortunately for the young hoops, the first half didn't go as planned as two quick fire goals from the home side by Jason Jarvis and James Spilks handed them the advantage way into the break. Not only did the figure themselves going in 2 0 down at half time, but they faced further injuries as centre-back Don Corp was forced off through a knock. This led to a change of formation for Celtic as striker Daniel Cummins replaced the defender, forcing the boys to switch to a back three. After a disappointing half of football, there was a much brighter start to the second 45 minutes, and there was a substitute who pulled Celtic back into proceedings. Some nice link-up play between Drury Dawson and the strike partner gave Cummins the opportunity to run through one-on-one, and the youngsters tucked the ball home into the back of the net to make the score 2-1. Celtic piled on the pressure for an equaliser and Kenzie Carsh came close to living up the score with a free kick ever, which was saved well by the goalkeeper. As the Hoops targeted an equaliser, though there was opportunities for the home side too to secure all three points. Ultimately, neither side could take advantage in front of goal and it ended in defeat for Celtic in the top of the table clash. Fortunately for the young Celts, they were given another opportunity to bounce back as they travelled to face Bournemouth United on Saturday. It was another tough away trip against a strong fifth year side. 
Thankfully, the boys were able to dust themselves off and put in a strong showing against Bonny. A first half Kevin's car strike gave Celtic the lead at the break, but it could have been even more in the first half after a series of missed chances. The BC were able to take advantage heading into the second half though, as goals from Boson Lowell and Ben Quinn meant they were taking home all three points. It was another good victory to pick up on the road, particularly after the disappointment of defeat against Stirling Uni. Next up is a return home to the Excelsior Stadium next weekend as Celtic beat take on Gretna 2008. That was the Colt Report uh, from our good friend Lewis Laird and I can confirm that will be the last Colt Report. Uh, Lewis is moving on to uh, something big and special. I'm sure he will uh, let everyone know about that but um, thanks to Lewis for all of his fantastic work uh, over over the piece. Uh, the Colt Report has been a, a great part of the agenda uh, so thank you very much Lewis. You can check him out on uh, Twitter at LewisLaird01 Top man and uh, yeah Good, good, good luck moving forward in the future. Um, we're kind of finishing up now. Uh, just want to highlight the fact Celtic FC women uh, defeated uh, Boromir Thistle five 0 yesterday, Scottish Cup, uh, just like the the men's team as well. So there will be uh, the Cynic Weekly. Sorry, the Cynic Weekly, the Celtic Women's Football Show will be on Wednesday. Let me run through the agenda for you. Um, today, the agenda, as always, on a Monday. Tuesday, we've got the review with Graham and uh, Christian, uh, which will be dropping tomorrow. Wednesday, the Celtic Women's Football Show. They'll be covering everything uh, Celtic Women's Football related. Thursday, we've got the Cynic Weekly, as always. Friday, we have the Weekend Update. Saturday, we've got the Reaction. uh, That will be recording live in a pub in town after the Aberdeen game, so check out for that. And uh, Sunday, we will have the Cynic Chronicles, uh, and we'll be looking at... Alan, we'll be looking at the 6-2 game. Yes, I believe so. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, should be great. Looking forward to that. Uh, that Sunday, I guess you could say Sunday will be the start of the build-up towards the cup final, um, which will be obviously be the week after. Uh, and uh, we get plenty of content, lots and lots of stuff lined up for the cup final covering it. So, uh, yeah, look out for that. Uh, I'll just give you a kind of brief highlight of the Scottish Cup results over the weekend. Rangers won. Air United uh, beat Elgin City 4-1. Dundee United lost to Kilmarnock 1-0. Livingston lost to Inverness 3-0. Wraith Rovers beat Motherwell 3-1, which cost... uh, Well, Ian McCall lost his job at Partick Thistle after the Rangers result. And uh, Stephen Hamill lost his job as well. Obviously, they're not correlated to those exact results. But, yeah, something along those lines. Um, Hearts beat Hamilton 2-0 on Friday. And tonight, it's Falkirk versus Darvo. Uh, and then that will be the the full complement of uh, teams for the quarterfinal draw. I think I believe the quarterfinal draw is this evening as well. Rangers, Air United, Kilmarnock, Inverness, Wraith Rovers, Celtic Hearts, and one of Falkirk and Darvel as well. What do you make That's about a staunch, staunch um, lineup yep. of teams there? That is Jesus. not a nice rundown of teams. Please don't go through it again. I won't go through it again. But I'm just looking at it. You're a hundred percent right. Holy shit. Jesus. Jesus, good God, man. It's I never like really the, noticed, to be honest. It's like the devil picked his own bloody... Is, I don't know. The, the devil did something. They're all bad teams. Um, Except Rangers, who, of course, deserve a humanitarian award for their services to... Okay, can I just say... Niceness or something. I, only, I haven't actually seen it. I heard it in the radio and they were frothing quite frankly over uh, Michael Bale so at that point I turned it off because I, I don't want to I won't spend too long on it but I turned it on at 1-0 at half time because I was like oh fucking hell they're, they're losing 1-0 um, 
and then they, they they looked really, really, really as, as bad as Celtic were against St Mirren, and it just seemed like it was a bit of an off day with changes. They were absolutely crap, like just really, really crap. And um, I don't it, agree, Christopher. Sports signed with disagreement. Uh, because a three-two pumping, it was an absolute ready. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, what what do you just? The, I'm not. Can let's not even talk about the whole thing. Ah, it's nice to stick about in, isn't ah, it? <laughs> Never happier, to be honest, when we're having a pop at Sunday, so it's good. It's healthy. Uh, so you didn't see the kind of Tillman taking the kind of taking the ball off them when they were about to pass it back to him? I heard that I heard it on the radio and I've made the decision in my head that it was another uh, example of Rangers quite simply cheating. So <laughs> I have, I don't really need to see anything that would change my opinion on that. Because yeah. I've already made up my mind, you see. Good. I love it. Uh Kieran, any thoughts? No, I just I just always enjoy Alan's like uh, final five minutes of the agenda. I just, <laughs> just, just, just I'm just perfectly happy in my old world view and my wheel room. Just loving it. <laughs> I, yeah, I I I agree. Um, but yeah, no, it, Christopher actually just shuts the lights off in here, Kieran, at the end. I just sit here until next Monday. <laughs> Monday yeah. The lights come on about five to eleven, and that's that's that show time. Uh, you know what? Did you? I'm sure you haven't, but um, see the. Uh, what's the show again? What's the sci-fi show that's done by Charlie Brooker? Black Mirror. The Black Mirror where basically the, the wee guys living, the, the women's living in the wee egg because they've just made like these sort of, uh, I can't even bother explaining it. Do you know what? I fucking leave it. It's fine. Sounded dreadful to be honest. I probably won't watch that one. <laughs> John Hamm's in it. So, oh. So you might like that. Uh, listen, it's been an absolutely terrific. Uh, we've got plenty up coming up this week. Um, we've got the game against Aberdeen, obviously, on, on Saturday. And then, as we say, we're straight ahead looking towards this cup final. Uh, but, Kieran, it's been an absolute pleasure as always, sir. Check us out. Pleasure's all mine, Chris. Uh, Alan Edgar, joyful as ever. Thank you. I'll see you next week. Take care. Lovely. Take care. Lovely. Uh, from Kieran Devlin, from this is it. We've ended this episode really weirdly. And it's my fault. It's a hundred percent my fault. So I take full responsibility. From Kieran Devlin, uh, from Alan Edgar, from myself, Chris Gallagher. This has been the agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>